Hello, welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley and we're here to talk all things leadership. My guest this week is Dr. Nakia Bayliss, who is the Senior Director of Data and Equitable Systems at United Way of Battle Creek and Kalamazoo Region. That's quite a lot there. Welcome, Nakia. Thank you, David. Happy to be here. Well, I'm pleased to have you with us because uh, it's another interesting topic. And um, this goes back to the beginning of the year when um, we were uh, fortunate enough to be able to release our book, What Great Teams Do Great. And we were doing some work with the United Way of Battle Creek and Kalamazoo region. And uh, you were kind enough to give us some feedback that you kind of felt as an organization there might be some pieces missing. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially around the equity, diversity, and inclusion side of things. So, so that's why I brought you on today is to chat a little bit about that and what we learned from it. Sounds good. So, so um, and I just want to work through that process because my natural reaction immediately was, no, there isn't. You don't know what you're on about. <laughs> well, that's natural. That's <laughs> yeah. not- <laughs> well, it's natural and it gets to the point because how many times has some ignorant white guy said that to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's why it was so important, right? To call that out and just lift that up that, that um, we have to talk about race when we're talking about leadership. Yeah, and, and so you did, and you pushed back, and I, was, uh, I wasn't tempted to say, you don't know what you're on about. I listened, I tried to, and said, actually, you know, you, it sounds like you have a good point there, and, um, and let's think about it. And, uh, and then I, I sketched some notes, and you were kind enough to uh, critique them and give me some feedback on them, and those have evolved into what we're calling Chapter 9, which will be in any second edition, uh, but right now is downloadable from humanity.com under our books section as the additional chapter to what great teams do great. I just want to look at a few things in there that you helped us with, uh, because one of them was the idea of the power dynamic and how that plays in specifically when it comes to race. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what yeah, kind of things are you seeing there? That That's such a critical touch point. Um, I think it's important that we recognize that uh, BIPOC leaders are coming into spaces. And And that's just to help us out, that's Black, Indigenous, people of color? Yes, Black, Indigenous, and all people of color. Um, It's a new term that's being used uh, kind of across the board now um, to just try to capture all persons of color. Um, But yes, definitely... Uh, recognizing that BIPOC leaders are coming to tables um, in any space, corporate, in in any sector, Uh, corporate, nonprofit, um, city, legislation, political, all all of the different systems with uh, really a heavy lift, a heavier Mm -hmm. lift than than, than, um, non-BIPOC leaders. Um, They have to come and they have to kind of be able to navigate what um, the other non-BIPOC leaders at the table, uh, their perspectives. And so, you know, it's almost coming full circle, right? Because, you know, lifting up that, hey, there's this this component that's kind of missing and your response and and really um, openness to try to understand 
is, is something that BIPOC leaders have to go into every, go to every mm-hmm. table with right. every day, multiple times a day and, and try to understand the other perspective or other points of view and then filter through that, how they respond. And that's one of the things that came up in, in our conversation previous to chapter nine was uh, the idea that uh, sometimes it's like operating in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that may be the extreme version, but I'm, I'm having to think about the language. I'm having to um, code switch is the term that you yeah. shared with me uh, in order to operate in what is classically in North America, a white professional environment. I'm having yeah. to be different to who I might have grown up as being. And so there's extra effort and energy goes into that uh, for a BIPOC leader. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then even with that code switching, there's that, that component of um, self-preservation as well. Um, not coming across as aggressive, but still strong. Okay. Not um, being uh, too humble, but yet being open and flexible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's kind of all of these nuances that you have to really balance as you navigate through any conversation uh, or moving any body of work. And and there's a a lot of those pieces in the chapter. And at the same time, our focus really has been on uh, how to navigate it as a white or a non-BIPOC leader, because, Mm -hmm. you know, as a BIPOC leader, you're very, very aware of those things uh, because you've been existing in that that world. Uh, One of the challenges um, where the pushback was originally was, you know, I, I get the green path, as we call it in the book, and I, I get what you're talking about, leadership. And there's some nuance that we didn't dig deep enough into that, that you challenged us to dig into. And, and I appreciate that. One of them being the idea of amplification. And, and I talk about the higher up an organization you go, the more your voice is amplified. Absolutely. It's like when you get called to the principal's office, you're terrified, even if you know you've done nothing wrong, because mm-hmm. the principal's office is an amplification. Uh, if you're a BIPOC follower getting called to the principal's office, the, the boss's office, that where it's a white voice, that can have a double amplification to it as well. Uh, help us understand that a little bit. Absolutely. So, like I said, one thing that, that uh, BIPOC leaders are consistently navigating is that understanding, that, that understanding the other perspective. And even when Again, if we're being called in to speak with one of uh, a higher, a leader that's higher up <laughs> in the hierarchy, mm-hmm. um, there's there's always that sense of of fear initially of what did I do? Did I you know? So there you you go through a, a process of kind of checking yourself, <laughs> checking well, the boxes. <laughs> and we all we all have that black or white. We have that uh-huh, fear when you uh-huh. go to the boss's office. Yes, but with BIPOC leaders, it's heightened. There's, there's, there's almost a physiological response as you're, as, you're, as you're dealing with that situation. And so that too has an impact on how you then respond, right? right. And so um, it's important, I think it's really important that non-BIPOC leaders understand that BIPOC leaders are, are, are really having some different experiences uh, in these spaces and, and during these, these occasions mm-hmm. and understanding that um, there needs to be some grace given with regard to how they then respond. 
Right. Because there is that, I mean, we have an innate uh, kind of response of fight or <laughs> yeah, flight, fight right? Or flight. <laughs> well, and, it's interesting because the fight, flight, freeze is actually uh, the, the driver of a lot of red path behavior. Yeah. The, the negative behavior. Yes. Uh, and so if the initial reaction is one of defensiveness, I think we see a lot of this where we see interactions between um, African-Americans and police, for example, mm-hmm. that the, you get stopped. The first thing you are is defensive about the position you're in. And, and so then that's going to create a cycle somewhat of you know, defensive attacking mm-hmm. uh, process. So, so your call out there to non-BIPOC leaders is, just pay attention to that and understand that that reaction may be something that's inbuilt and give it some space and be patient with it. Absolutely. And then there's the whole element of epigenetics, right? That we have, we, we have experience that lives within our DNA of, of those that came before us, of our ancestors, of our history, of our family. And so understanding that that still lives with it, within us. And so even though we may not have directly uh, experienced something right. we, that still lives within us, and it can uh, it can surface in in situations where you need to speak with a, a leader that's higher than you. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I think again, I think it's just really critical that our uh, white allies are, are 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 giving some grace for right. and some space for um, maybe even a a a time out before responding right Mm -hmm. like just give that time and space to for for BIPOC leaders to digest the information and be able to respond with what they're really thinking and feeling because sometimes because of that flight flight freeze (laughs) fight flight flight fight flight freeze (laughs) Our, our nice little tongue twister there um, that there, there may not be an authentic response initially, um, that it may come from more of a superficial um, space given um, that just natural reaction of, oh, I need to protect myself. Right. So then, I mean, that leads us nicely to this idea of white professionalism. And we live in a culture that has been built on a, a model of white professionalism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so... Help us understand, because when I share this with some leaders that I work with, they may say, well, you know, if you want to get ahead, you better learn how to operate in that world. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what's the challenge for leaders to pay attention to when they're working in particular with with BIPOC folks? You know what? Really understanding that there is a bit of a language difference. There is a communication difference where something may be um, more affirmed with us through, with our peers, that, uh, it may not come across that way in a professional setting. Mm -hmm. And it could seem harmful, uh, in a professional setting and come from a place of love. Uh, and so, you know, just again, really trying to understand the other perspective, understand, trying to understand BIPOC leaders, uh, perspective experiences, um, and, and really what they're, what they're, what they're show, how they're showing up. Um, because I think that at the end of the day, um, BIPOC leaders recognize, Hey, we, again, we, we definitely, we code switch, we come into space and we code switch. 
I don't speak to BIPOC leaders the same way that I show up in a space full of non-BIPOC leaders. So, um, you know, just understanding that that's okay. That's okay. It, it, is, a, it is a mechanism of um, self-preservation. It is a mechanism of connecting and being in relationship with others. And again, I don't think at all that there's anything wrong with uh, having to um, show up indifferently because we all do it at right. some at some level. We we don't we don't speak to our colleagues the same way we speak to our family. We don't speak to our children the same way we speak to our colleagues. We're not going to speak to our pastors the same way we speak to our family. So mm-hmm. there's always this this um, dynamic of code switching. It's the power dynamic that has to be minimized. Right. And so, you know, we look at it, uh, the idea of leadership is the choices we make. And we look at those choices on three dimensions. And one being uh, the idea of, are you seeing the greater good? Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about here is the greater good uh, has been proven out to be of more value when we have diverse thinking at the table. And so uh, if it's, if everybody's the same, I, I heard something today that, uh, if we all think the same, we don't need everybody on the team. We only need the one person. If we think and see things differently, then that's where the value comes in for synergy. But we also need to understand what the greater good, those inter- interdependent connections are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is the idea of uh, being, what's your commitment level? Is it, are you committed to comfort or to impact? Right. And, and I think um, what we're talking about with the white uh, professionalism for white folks is a comfort place. Uh, being open to difference and understanding and valuing and being patient with difference requires a commitment to impact and for you to get away from your comfort a little bit. Does that, does that fit? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's also important that, that our white leaders uh, understand that when, when BIPOC leaders come into the space that our code switching in the professional setting isn't necessarily as comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so uh, understanding that dynamic is, is part of lead, moving green path, right? Like leading to the green path and on a green path. I think that once we start to shut down, once we start to not um, attempt to understand each other and where, how each other is showing up, why we're, we're, we're showing up in certain ways or saying certain things or responding different ways. I think it's important to uh, just really, again, for impact, try to understand the other's perspective right. and, and be open like you were <laughs> for when others identify our blind spots. Right. Yeah. So it's the, the thing of being patient and open and, uh, willing to be wrong and see things differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, we can't create change. We can't move anything worthwhile and meaningful if we're not including multiple perspectives. Anything worth uh, really driving, if you will, needs to have multiple perspectives. Otherwise, it's only going to work for the one perspective that went into it. And right. that's not how society works. That's not how community works. That's not how an organization works. You are dealing with a community of people uh, that are diverse. And so it, it is important that all perspectives are considered 
uh, in any, any sort of work, any sort of conversation uh, that, that you anticipate some productivity or some, some positive action, some impactful uh, opportunities to come from. Because you're, you're alluding there to our third dimension, which is emotional intelligence, which then says, I need to understand both me and the other. And when we get into the idea of understanding the other, it's from um, a perspective of a white leader, it's understanding when I'm guilty of microaggressions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And those sound kind of odd, but the, the list we have in chapter nine are things that I'm pretty sure I've said all of them at some point. And, well, and, it's the acknowledgement of that, though, that goes uh, the, that, that leads to the learning <laughs> and, that's and the, the doing different. Yeah, it's the acknowledgement is the first step, I guess. And mm -hmm. um, I had a conversation with uh, an, another EDI uh, consultant leader, uh, Dr. Priscilla Archangel, recently. And uh, one of the things we were talking about there that I've realized that I recognize since, I believe since George Floyd, a lot of white people have gone from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence and so that's progress <laughs> as, as silly as it sounds the next progress is to go to conscious competence yeah. which is this idea of if uh, i i recognize that i might at some point say, have said you don't sound black to somebody uh and that that that's completely uh you know i can imagine what that feels like to hear that on the other side of the the conversation Oh yeah, or especially when you're having a very black experience, right? <laughs> when I, I, I've been told multiple times, I don't sound like a black woman. And yet if, if, there, if a police officer is behind me, even though I know I break no laws, I'm doing the right thing, I still have a very heightened sense of awareness and a very heightened sense of fear. Right. And, and agitation because now I'm, upset that I'm I'm afraid that there's a cop behind me <laughs> and I haven't done anything but you know so recognize you know there's all of these different things coming into play because you're thinking I shouldn't even feel this way I haven't done anything wrong but the world that we live in has taught me that I need to feel this way that I need to feel fear that I need to feel anxious that I need to be concerned yeah and all I'm doing is trying to work out how quickly I can get into the conversation that I used to be with Scotland Yard uh, and because I don't have that same fear and and yet you know I have a, a black daughter that's now driving mm -hmm. and and I um, I'm you know, worried every time I see anybody pull over now I think about that same situation because you know she, um, she's unfortunate in some ways and she grew up in a white family so she doesn't see that same gap mm. I don't think all the time which is even more concerning because she's as likely to want to joke with the cop as anything else Mm, which could still go left, right? Like they could, could still have a wrong. very bad very quickly, outcome. Yes. Yeah. I just want to concentrating on driving at the moment. Uh-huh. 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 Absolutely. And then, you know, I think you bring up a really powerful point too, that um, leaders of color are not only navigating the professional space, but their personal lives. And as we have seen through, you know, the social injustices that we've watched play out across our country, um, and, and be more visible because that's the thing is they, they've been going on for, for many, many, many years. Now they're just more visible mm -hmm. because people have access to provide footage and, and film and pictures and videos and audio of what they're seeing take place. And so now we're at a place where 
it's undeniable. The world right. can't deny it anymore. They can't say it doesn't exist because they're not seeing it. Now you have to acknowledge that this does exist. And, mm -hmm. and so now what do we do to right. change that? And that's the, the, the call again from this, because we use the term of caring, honest and direct. We say be like Chad, caring, honest and direct in, in, in order to go on the green path. And I think the example of the, your willingness to have the conversation back with us and around that was an example of being caring, honest and direct. You cared enough to be honest and direct about the conversation where we'd missed. Uh, and I hope we were on the receiving end in the same way. And, and that's demonstrated in what we put together in chapter nine. Uh, I, I'm also, um, something else we call out is the idea of, you know, what can you do? Well, you can set an example by your actions. You can be patient because, uh, as I keep saying to people, complex situations won't be solved with, sim with simple answers. And so this will take time and be courageous. So that willingness for especially white folks to stand up and be counted and say, hey, that's not appropriate. Uh, and Absolutely. how many times Especially have you sat there listening to a racist joke and let it go rather than being courageous and saying this isn't appropriate? Yes. Yes, David. See, you got this. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're a good teacher. <laughs> so I can yes, say. that is exactly it. Because people of color are showing up daily in, in every space with this, this, this dynamic of really having to navigate this very carefully, navigate relationships, build relationships, um, right, right. you know, lead in a way that sometimes you don't, you don't feel it is safe to <laughs> be courageous, or you don't feel that it is necessarily safe to be direct. And so how do you continue to lead? And how do you continue to build great teams, right? When there's, there's a safety issue or there's, a, there's, a, there's an issue that is creating uh, a dynamic that keeps you from, from being direct, from being able to provide that direct feedback um, that's necessary for growth and, and learning. So, you know, I, again, I think it's, it's a both and uh, having that grace, right? Having, allowing that space, being open to acknowledging the things that you didn't recognize before that weren't in your face before. Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Nakia Bayliss, thank you very much for both bringing this to our attention when uh, you did the work with What Great Teams Do Great and continuing that conversation with me and being patient with me as I uh, work through my bias and, uh, and start to learn from it as well. This is how we grow. I'm happy to help. <laughs> Thanks. And the book again is What Great Teams Do Great, available everywhere. Uh, that's by from Humanity. And the chapter nine is available at humanity.com in our book section as a free download for anybody that wants to read it. But I highly encourage you to read the book first before you read the, the supplemental chapter. Nakia, thank you very much. Thank you, David. You've been listening to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley. And we're brought to you by the book, What Great Teams Do Great, available now at all good bookstores. Thanks to Brian Spencer and Finkel for the music. Please share any feedback and suggestions. I'm available through humanity.com. And uh, go to iTunes, like, subscribe, and leave us a review so that other people can find us. In the meantime, till next time we meet, stay healthy. <laughs>